I know that cops have a difficult job. George Floyd was murdered. I know that being a cop is dangerous. George Floyd was murdered. I know that most cops are good. George Floyd was murdered. I understand that cops generally serve and protect. George Floyd was murdered. I get that riots are dangerous and cause damage to businesses. George Floyd was murdered. I'm not anti-police. George Floyd was murdered. We uh, bring you the show today on Hot Sauce Sports. Uh, all of us with heavy hearts because of what's going on uh, around us. Um, it's going to be difficult. We're going to try to be the distraction that we are for you guys. Uh, it's a sports comedy show. It's just hard to find uh, what's funny on a week like this. Um, my wife's family came from Colombia. Um, they left a country that was overrun by a drug lord and then settling in to North America. My wife often tells a story about how she felt that she was luckier than her siblings because she looked white and she sounded white. All of this uh, growing up in Atlanta and then moving to Montreal, both cities besieged by riots, uh, being burned to the ground in some cases, uh, and yet we see acts of criminal injustice still being carried out. My background, uh, my, myself, my brother, Eagle's family, uh, came from a country where our grandparents escaped fascism. Um, and I know on my part, my grandfather often talked about the importance of freedom. And uh, I grew up understanding the, the dangers of divisive politics. The politics now divide us from the media, so are the seeds of distrust. And we do our best on our end to try and give you the information as we see it. Um, and we do it in a way uh, that we can be as supportive as possible. We're in Montreal in the province of Quebec. And Francois Legault, our, Prime Minister, our Premier, uh, claimed that there isn't institutional racism. He was elected on the platform of divisive politics. He uh, created claims that were made no sense at the time and still make no sense as he claimed that immigrants were stealing all of our jobs and using up all of our welfare. Um, that seems, if that seems incongruous, it is. Um, and when, when, when he was elected, he passed a law violating basic human rights of religious freedom. Um, in our cities, I know for a fact, we have friends uh, and people we know who have been racially profiled and have been pulled over by police officers to check their documents. This is something I've never experienced in my life. This is something I know Terry's never experienced in his life. This is something Eagle's never experienced in his life. Uh, they have been uh, accused of things. They've been pushed around by, by police officers. Again, while I understand this isn't the norm, this is not most police officers. Most police officers do their job and are uh, above board, but this isn't the case in all scenarios. And those are the scenarios that need to be listened to. There's protests because people haven't been listening. We don't condone violence and looting, but we do support human life. People are dying and largely they want you to recognize it and they want you to listen. No freedom is given without protest. Unfortunately, protest isn't always convenient. I grew up privileged. However, when people have told me that they're, uh, they're in pain, I, do, I listen. When people tell me that black lives matter, I don't argue that all lives matter because what they're saying is black lives also matter not that black lives matter more. They just matter in addition to the lives that already do, that already are given that right. Uh, for, for our hot sauce contributors who are feeling marginalized, we feel your pain and we're with you, we support you. To our friends, friends of the show that have been on the show, uh, we support you. Uh, we're gonna do our best to get you on in the next short little while. We've already started recording a lot of interviews with you so you can tell your stories and we can share them. Um, to people in our community, know that, this, that um, despite you feeling the sense of loneliness, you aren't actually alone. Loneliness is the weapon of divisive politics and it's uh, the greatest defense for us to stand together. I'm Pease, this is Terry. 
This is Alex, who's sitting in for Duke. Alex, uh, sorry for throwing you into the fire uh, on perhaps the toughest episode we've had to record to date. Uh, Eagle, of course, joins us from the studio. Uh, guys, this is a tough time. Um, I, I looking looking through my timeline trying to get stories for today. It wasn't easy because obviously the the stories that matter most are the stories that uh, of the minorities that that are experiencing this. And we're going to cover this through the prism of sports, and then we'll lighten things up a little bit because we do want to offer the distraction to people who most need us to be that distraction. Uh, but first of all, boys. Uh, you heard a lot about me going on and on and on about how I'm doing, but how are you guys doing? How are you doing, Terry? Uh, I've been good, man. Just, you know, like looking at my um, my blacked out social media feeds all day and, you know, watching the videos of all the riots and, and everybody going crazy and seeing a, a president who doesn't know how to speak to his people. And uh, it's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's been interesting, but I've been having a good day nonetheless. I think in Montreal and Canada, we're a little bit more fortunate than in the States. So um, I'm good, man. I just, I, I watch and I, I watched Akeem's video. I watched Akeel Finn's video and I posted on our, on our stories and um, I, everything you said was right, please. I mean, I can't, I can't say anything. I mean, as much as I'm against the, um, the looting, and nobody's, so that's the thing is nobody's pro looting. Yeah, no, what we're that's saying, what I'm saying is people are angry. And we need to pay attention. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. So as much as I'm against the looting, is like there's a reason to why something's happening. There's a reason why somebody goes crazy and drives his car at 150 kilometers an hour after leaving work because he's he's frustrated with his job or there's something that's triggering something right there, right? So it's it's something to look at. I mean, I'm completely against the looting. I think everybody else is too, but there's there's a reason why it's happening. Absolutely. Um, Alex, uh, you're joining us. Uh, you're our newest uh, social media intern. So intern Alex is how we'll forever uh, <laughs> refer to you. Even when you're no longer an intern and full-time staffer, <laughs> we will always refer to you as intern Alex yes. because we are dicks. Um, intern Alex, you're actually in California. Uh, you've, you've experienced a lot of the, uh, the protests and stuff firsthand. Uh, how's it going yeah. for you? Um, I've actually been to their first ever protest here in town, um, in Bakersfield. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like the, the protest was peaceful at first. Well, it started peaceful. Like, like it went great. Me and my wife went there. She, she took pictures of the protest. Um, overall it was a pretty nice experience. Uh, I've never been to a protest before. Um, uh, so yeah, I was... I liked it. I, I liked the cause. Uh, I feel like it, it was justified. Um, I obviously do not condone the the looting. I feel like those are just people taking advantage of the situation. Um, and yeah, overall, it was, a, it was a pretty good experience. I think we should say that Alex isn't in Montreal with us. He's from Montreal, but he doesn't. He lives in Bakersfield, California. So. Literally how we introduced him, Terry. Oh, sorry, my mistake. I take it off my headphones for half a second here. Uh, um, Eagle, how's your day been? I mean, like Terry said, it's been a little bit weird and everything. Um, for a lot of the stuff that's going on, I mean, in a way, I'm happy it's finally coming out. Because it's something we all kind of knew in the back of our, our hearts that this was going on. But it kind of felt like, well, it's just how things are and it's not bothering us, so we're not going to deal with it. And It'll get better, better with time. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. we don't need to deal with that or whatever. But I'm happy that it's more, like, mainstream at this point now, right? Like, we, we all knew – this was the thing nobody wanted to talk about for obvious reasons. Yeah. And I'm happy that it's finally getting the attention it deserves. Yeah. One thing I've noticed that's different uh, this time around is um, that a lot of the, uh, well, in a lot of the, the the protests, you actually see a lot of white people there. Um, it, it does seem as though people are more understanding this time around. Maybe it's the eight minute and 46 second video of a man dying uh, and being murdered in front of us with three other police officers uh, watching as it happened, you know, just because of how visceral and how graphic that is. One, one of which is a visible minority. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's the whole thing too, is, is just, you know, systemically, how it is that the protocols are created and, and how they're desensitized and how they, they, they don't, they see, you know, 
who who are police officers who aren't police officers and and unfortunately the cost of that at times is human life and that's definitely something that needs to be addressed uh over time yeah. um but and, and look we we see guys uh in different leagues we we see it being handled across the, the prism of sports uh the nfl put out a statement and I was talking to our to our contributor Brett Botkin, who's a writer here uh, at Hot Sauce Sports. He was actually at, at uh, uh, the Montreal protest. And uh, as we we're talking, uh, I remember at one point I just said, "You know, the thing with the NFL statement is, um, fuck you. You had a chance to make a statement three years ago, um, but you know, with that guy kneeling down." That was a huge issue. That was that was a big problem for the NFL. Uh, something they couldn't get behind. All these billionaires with all the fu money in the world couldn't take a stand and get behind it. Instead, they all acted like cowards, scared of their paycheck. Imagine if uh, Mike Pence wasn't so furious with with uh, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee that he didn't have to leave a football game, and to four years later, three years later, sorry, come out and say, you know, there's peaceful protests is a way to get your message across. I mean, yeah, wow. but that's the thing is like, they keep they keep moving the arch, Nick Terry. So like, yeah. like people protest is fine. Well, they tried it, it didn't work. Um, you know, well, why don't why don't you go through the legal system? They people are trying and it's yeah. not working. I, you know, and then and then this protest is not the way. Well, then what's the way? You know what? How about I'm still there, there's a time there's a time and place. Give me the time and place. Not to mention that like when Karens are protesting that they can't get their nails done. Oh this is God. a protest that's being supported by the President of the United States because uh, it's not I, dangerous. I get that, but it's like. It gets to a point it is where dangerous, isn't it? you think that because again, you mean when they brought part... assault rifles to the uh, parliaments and everything? And well, that's just, just their Second Amendment stand. right, Eagle. Of course. What about the First Amendment right? That's why there's an order on them. <laughs> that's a um, good point. And I, like all of this happening amidst a global pandemic, where we're largely scared to be in public with other people. Yet this yeah. is so important. People take into the streets, um, and my God, like what does work and all this is you know the coronavirus doesn't care about race or, or protest it's a killer yeah. of, of people of all sorts of race i'm just i'm hoping that this doesn't lead to a second wave which we'll only know about we'll only know the impacts of this in about two weeks time uh that said this is a cause that definitely uh, is is worth uh people people feeling the the, the, the you know the, the pressures and, and the risks yeah. um one person who still doesn't understand Colin Kaepernick's kneeling is Drew Brees, who came out with a statement saying he still doesn't understand disrespecting the flag. Here's what I don't understand. How do you continue to, to, to phrase it as disrespecting the flag? But also, Drew Brees took a knee the week after Colin Kaepernick mm -hmm. took a knee. So what side are you on? And is there a time and place to figure out where, like, what you have to, like, how you have to react and look around you and look at, Look at maybe 65% of your team as African-American and, you know, maybe they think differently. And Drew Brees is such a team guy normally. And I think he's never been disliked across the league. I don't, and maybe some people find him annoying with his pregame speeches and stuff. But for the most part, Drew Brees has been like a good guy and good messages, positive all the time. And I don't think he meant anything bad with this. I just think that it's like, you, you don't understand the reason to why Kaepernick actually took a knee. For me, I wasn't there. It took me probably two days to figure it out. Like, I was like, why is he taking a knee? Like, what's what's the whole point of this, you know? And then I finally figured it out. Whatever. Drew Brees, it's been three years. He was your colleague, we'll say. Like, you figure it out. And now Michael Thomas, his own receiver, is yeah. coming out against them on Twitter. Well, and that's the thing. is Like, the, the worst part about it is that they're working in an environment that has a lot of black people. There's a lot of minorities that, yeah. that, that, that play football. Um, and, like, for you to not understand the, the, the plight of your own colleagues, mm -hmm. I, I don't like th this. You've had to have conversations with them about this in the last three years. It, it's been uh, in NFL circles for so long. H how are you still blind to see this? I, I don't understand that. It's, it's so tough for me to see guys not rally around their colleagues and their supposed brothers. You know what I mean? Every athlete always talks about how. You know, the locker room was the thing they're going to miss the most. And, they, you know, they became brothers with all these guys and they went to battle with them. And, you know, it's one thing. And, and social media is so big now to the point where the president had to tell people to stop using it because, because his facts were being proven wrong. And that is so big now that even the president has to come out and talk about social media. And everything, every message that he sends is through social media. And now your, your voice is so big. You have 2 million people minimum 
that are going to follow you and listen to your listen to your message and you come out and say something like i don't understand people disrespecting the flag who's been disrespecting the flag in all this who has yeah. burned a flag well i don't know i haven't seen a video of a flag being burnt but especially I'm sure i'm guys, sure there has been you hear guys uh like greg popovich who comes from the yeah. family steve kerr uh, who I, I believe his family is tied to the military as well. Yes. And, and they say it's not a disrespect to the military. And look, you I'm not going to tell other people how to feel about things. You can't yeah. absolutely uh, say that you don't, you, you feel offended by it. Fine, that's yeah. cool. You're offended by it. That's cool. That said, you still need to listen to why he's protesting. You still, all you need to do is, it costs you nothing. All you need to do is listen. So and, I, I I listened to I was listening to a podcast by the CEO of uh, Barstool, Erica Nardini. I, she's she's really smart. I like listening to her, and she she has an episode called "Listen," and she was talking to Willie Colon, who played in the NFL, and uh, and she says, "My job today is to just sit sit back and listen." And uh, Willie Colon talked about his experience and how he was driving one time. Willie Colon, he's an NFL player. He's a monster, and how he was driving. Uh, through Tennessee on a road trip with his with his wife going to San Francisco to watch a Super Bowl. It's a thing they do every year. And he gets pulled over. And the cop said he pulled him over because he he never seen somebody drive the way he uh, dro- uh, drive the way he drove. So he basically he said he changed his stance while he was driving, and that's why he got pulled over. He looked suspicious by changing the way he sat. So uh, Willie Colon's like, regardless of if the guy was a racist or not, these are things that I have to, I've had to deal with my entire life growing up in New York City. So he's like, so people just don't understand that aspect. Is like we've swallowed it. I've had to like tell tell my kids how to talk to cops. Arian Foster also has talked about how he had his father told him, taught him how to speak to police and how to listen to everything they say because they're in control in that moment and you have no control. Terry, like we we, we even see stories coming out now of NCAA coaches taking time out of their um out of their practices to 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 to, to sorry alexa's going off in the corner i don't know why. <laughs> um, but they're taking time out of their practices to tell to, to teach their players how to how to interact uh when, when you're you're dealing with police officers yeah. and and it's crazy because again I, I i know for myself that this wasn't ever a worry for me growing up yeah. that i would imagine the same for you and same for you eagle uh you know, I mean, when well, listen, when a cop's behind me and I'm driving, my first thing is I'm thinking like, okay, was I on my phone? Because I usually am, and that's the first thing I'm thinking about. See, and, what, I'm, what I'm usually thinking of is, my God, my driver better be sober. <laughs> and what I'm usually thinking is, thank God I'm sober because Pete is probably nervous right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's listen, it's tough life. Um, yeah. But yeah, so in in amidst all that, we then see one of the biggest franchises in sports, despite being completely incompetent, they're rewarded constantly for their incompetence. They take <laughs> one more incompetent step as James Dolan and the Knicks do not come out with a statement, despite most of your workforce, most of the important people in your workforce being black. Not only that, is that they come out with a statement defending why they didn't come out with a statement. And that's, the, that's the thing you want to defend. That's yeah. the you want. And, 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 and the worst is, is that all of these statements don't even say they don't. They never mention police. They never mention cops. Mm-hmm. And and again, uh, like do 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 are are you saying that the police have such a fragile ego that they can't recognize that this guy who's clearly a bad guy he had eighteen situations, eighteen previous situations that he had he had mishandled and and he was using racial profiling. You know this was a bad cop. So you're defending bad cops too. That's yeah. more important than human life. It's and, it's and, not. It's, it's a not just that. organization can't even say that's a bad cop. So this is where this is the opposite spectrum. Okay, obviously it happened in Minneapolis. The Minnesota Vikings. The first thing what they did was they released a statement, and the second thing they did was they um, they removed their contract to hire police officers, Minneapolis police officers, for security. That's a huge money for them for the for the for the police department. So they're not going to hire. They're going to go private. They're going to hire a private security company. Probably pay more money. And these Minneapolis police officers, they're not going to get the overtime, but they're not going to be able to get this extra money. Police officers, they make they make decent money, but for the most part, most of their money has been made through overtime. Yeah. And uh, and overtime and going to these events, it's not just working your 9 to 5, 11 to 7, whatever, whatever beat route they're doing. A lot of these cops, they make their money through overtime and working at these events. So for the Minneapolis Police Department to come out and say, uh, sorry, Minnesota Vikings, for them to say, we're not going to hire you guys anymore, fix something. That's the biggest statement you can make. Yeah, as an organization, you don't have to come and say "fuck the cops," "fuck the police," whatever it is. Just say we need something. Something needs to change. This is what we're gonna do to change it, and that's it. 
I even saw some uh, people saying you should go to the extreme and uh, you should stop sending your kids to Division One schools to try and uh, really like hurt the money books and everything, right? But I think I also yeah, it's more career suicide in the process. But you know, wait, I also are saw... you saying are you saying that Division One athletics is a business and it would affect their business? Yes, really? I think exactly I think. I think Pease makes an anti-NCAA, anti-NCAA comment every episode. And this is episode 65, 66. This is yeah, episode 65 or 66. And I, I think that it's, it's you've made, an, you've made a, uh, a comment every single episode, which is great. I love it. It's like, it's like in the, the show Psych, there's a pineapple in, in every episode. Okay. I'm, th- that, the NCAA is my pineapple. It's <laughs> your pineapple. Um, Terry, you shared a couple of stories coming from uh, what I thought to be uh, – Surprising sources. Uh, the NHL uh, has had some pretty interesting statements with regard to what happened. Jonathan Taze was specific players. Yeah, that was awesome. The, the way yeah. the, the way it was approached by him, I thought that was really interesting. There's been there's uh, been so a I'll couple. Let you talk about it since, since that was your story. Yeah, so there's been a couple. So Jonathan Taves came out saying how listen, he lived in a life he lived in a white privileged life and whatever it is. But also uh, Blake Wheeler came out to uh, keep in mind. Shea Weber. That, sorry, sorry, Shea Weber. Yeah, Shea Weber came out and said oh, I, that I don't even know. He came from a small town in uh, British Columbia mm-hmm. and how he didn't understand how the rest of the world were living until you know, until he was in that environment himself. I so, haven't yeah. seen I haven't seen uh PK Subban come out. I mean, I'm sure he has. He's Also, well, I actually vocal. have a story on that, but I'll let you do it and I'll Okay, so he, he made so, a huge donation, so okay. He did. Okay. So Jonathan Taves, so Jonathan Taves came out. Uh Blake Wheeler came out. Jonathan Taves is from Winnipeg. Winnipeg is the most, and I mean the most, racist city in Canada. Been towards there, towards na- toward, <laughs> towards native uh, towards native Canadians, I, I'd say. Really? So that's even a thing I forgot to mention. That I prepared too is the, the treatment of natives, and you're yeah. seeing there's no systemic racism in, in in Quebec or Canada. And not only that, Blake Wheeler came out also talking about it, and he plays for Winnipeg. Yeah. So these guys live in this area. They know what it's like, right? They've seen it. And they still talk about their, their privilege and how they've grown up without having to worry about anything. And, and it's, I find it's good on specific players. I'm not, I don't ask the NHL to come out with something because the NHL is predominantly a white sport. For the 25 players that they have that are African-American or whatever it is, I don't know the number exactly, for them to come out and say something, that's great. But I like that the fact that all these individual players who have a platform are going to use it. Uh, Paul Bissonnette came out and talked because he's, he's, a, quarter, uh, he's a quarter black. Uh, a lot of guys come out and they know how to use their platform, but if they're for, it's for the people, for the guys who don't say anything, if you're not going to say anything, that's fine. Nobody's asking you to say anything. I mean, um, I haven't said anything because I just don't know what to say. You know what I mean? Well, that's why I, I took some time to sort of make it on our behalf because I, we've had conversations about this for the last couple of days. Basically, it's all we've been talking about. So yeah. uh, I kind of sort of synthesize our thoughts and put it into into uh, the intro of the show. Um, the P.K. Subban, Terry, I know you, you asked about it. He actually donated $50,000, and that's being matched by the NHL. Nice. Um, so, so, I mean, like, he is doing something. But And this is something I talked about when I interviewed the guys from, from Paving the Way, um, when I said that Michael Jordan gets a lot of heat for his comment that uh, Republicans buy, shoe, buy sneakers too, but that we only ever put the, the, the pressure on uh, black athletes to support black causes. But these are... There's no black causes, no white causes, no gay causes. They're human causes, and and yeah. and the same pressure should be put on Drew Brees to support it as Colin Kaepernick. The same pressure should be put on Tom Brady as is put on Michael Jordan as is put on LeBron James. Because if if the only people that care about it are the people most affected, this never changes. Never changes. It has to be. But that's the thing is also there was also this big thing, not now, but this big thing where if you're somebody that that that, that if you're white and you. Uh, you overly uh, defend black people on social media, you're, you're hated on, okay, by both sides, okay? It was a thing. Now that's stopped completely. Everybody sees everybody supporting, and that's great. But at the end of the day, I know that a guy like Drew Brees is going to come out and do the right thing because from what we've seen up until this moment, yeah. he hasn't really done anything wrong. All he said was, I don't want to disrespect the flag. Whereas comments mis- mistimed, I guess, fine. But – Realistically, we know Drew Brees is a good guy. If you keep out making it about the flag, if you keep making yeah. it about the military, that, then the message, the actual protest is, is lost. But even in my, let's, I'll give you an example. Even in my group chat with my friends is that we spoke about the Drew Brees thing and, and, one, of the, and one of my friends said, it was like, why, like, he doesn't have, really have to come out and say anything. 
You know what I mean? Like, and, and they're more of, there shouldn't be any violence, no looting, no riots, none of that stuff. And you know, so am I. The thing is, like, I, I love how that's the two sides. Yeah, like, it shouldn't be. It should be. shouldn't be looting. Yeah. I can understand. Like, so, like, I can understand why violence breaks out. Unfortunately, sometimes it's also misappropriated. Mm-hmm. Another thing, I don't know if you've noticed, Terry, but uh, in my newsfeed, most of the looters have been white. Yeah, and that's another thing I wanted to talk about. Listen, I know that uh, Trump goes against Antifa. I'm completely against like a, a group like Antifa. To me, they're a terrorist organization. They only show up when the bad things happen. They're never there in the positive moments. So there's groups like that that come out and do the bad shit. It's not, if you looked at Montreal, okay, Brent was telling us, if you look at Montreal and the protest here, it was so quiet because Antifa really doesn't exist here. But there's Antifa signs everywhere. There's Antifa signs all over the place. They're, they're the problem. It's not the people that were walking down the streets. Like the cop in Michigan, in Flint, Michigan, that said, I don't want to make this a protest. I want to make it a parade. Like things like that. Like that's what we, that's what we want. We don't want all these other groups coming in just because they're anti-establishment, you know? And that's the problem. All these messages get mixed up with politics. This isn't a political issue. It's a... It's a it's a human rights issue and a yeah, human right that everybody deserves to have. It shouldn't be a controversial take where we say innocent people shouldn't be murdered in the street. And I don't I don't see anything controversial about that, right? Uh, but but it's somehow it's still being politicized. Liverpool and Chelsea, uh, two of the English Premier teams, and, and soccer has had uh, unfortunately a history uh, of racism that we we has been talked about by players constantly, um, but. It's kind of cool to see two of the uh, more storied clubs uh, take a stand. There's a reason why a lot of black players don't like to go play in Italy because they get bananas thrown at them. And in Greece, the same thing. Uh, they get bananas thrown at them. And uh, so, for, so for teams, and on, I'm a Liverpool fan, and that, that team, there's, there's their star player is Muslim. Their, uh, their next best player, he's, uh, he's from uh, Senegal. So for them, they, they live a different experience. And soccer is the most, I mean, it's the most popular sport worldwide for a reason, because it unites everybody, right? The World Cup is the most watched event in the world because it unites, every, it unites everybody for a four-week span, whatever it is. And uh, for Liverpool and Chelsea to come out and do something like that, it just shows that it just, it just, it's not, we're not ignoring it. That's the whole thing is you don't have to come out and say something, but you don't have to ignore it either. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and like we started the show with all all we're saying, all people are saying is you just have to listen. Um, the, the next thing I want to talk about, and it, it just, this is going to be tough because like, you know, all these things were topical over the last week. It just seems so far from the mark. Uh, but I do want to talk about it uh, because it does affect Montreal uh, sports specifically. Uh, and while the show isn't necessarily just a local show, uh, we are Montrealers. We're proud Montrealers. Uh, we love the city of Montreal. Um, and I know, Terry, perhaps there are no two greater Expos fans uh, than the two <laughs> guys uh, who are on this show week, week in, week out. Uh, David Sampson was on Dan Levitard's Local Hour, uh, and I happened to catch the episode. And I was being interviewed by the host, who is one of the producers of the of Levitard show, uh, Mike Ryan. And he talked about his time uh as the vice president executive vice president of the montreal expos um and some stuff was interesting it's always he's uh i don't want to say he's dishonest because it doesn't appear to be that i will say some of this stuff seemed disingenuine uh i think it was very clear uh to me even though i was fairly young that loria was not interested in keeping the team here uh but selig hated having teams in canada uh, Montreal, the Montreal fan base was torn apart after the, 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 the lockout season in 1994, where we were absolutely going to win um, the World Series. But Terry, there was, uh, you know how many, between 1979 and, 19, uh, and, and 1999, I'm sorry, 1994, the strike season, do you know how many losing seasons the Expos had? In the time they were in the Olympic Stadium until until you know what I read the book up up and away by um by Jonah Carey yeah and he ta- he mentions it and I can't, I don't have the answer they had they had three losing seasons they were good man for they all that for that time yeah franchise that that drew decently and I think a championship would really help them you know that in Montreal especially like so I know that Canada gets a reputation of being cold but Montreal is a warm city in the summer it's yeah. 
city with a lot of beautiful people. We don't mm. want to be kept in a gray, dark dome unless you're very good. Uh, so <laughs> we support a winner. We were betrayed by the richest owners in baseball. Um, and, and David Sampson does, does mention that. He did say, uh, he did talk about how he felt as though the media was anti-Semitic. And again, I'm not going to tell other people how to feel. I will say that all I remember was you were hated because you wanted to move the team away. I remember, and I wasn't a huge, I was an Expos fan. I wasn't a huge baseball fan back then. I used to go to games with my dad and my brother every once in a while. We, we'd we always end up in left field and we'd yell at Bobby Breu, you know, just to get him off when he was playing for the Phillies. I think I think that's like a I think that's like a thing that Montreal fans do. It's like everybody's like, oh, I used to yell at Bobby Abreu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, natural, like, like we had a lot of rivalries, but the, we just something about the Phillies, man. Something about the Phillies, and I remember like throwing all Henry bars when Henry Rodriguez would hit a home run, and so little things like yeah. that. I remember. So I wasn't a huge baseball fan, but I was an Expos fan, and I liked and I enjoyed going to baseball games. I still do. So I remember that when they bought the team. And then they moved to the Olympic Stadium was was a lot earlier than that. But when they bought the team, I noticed the Olympic Stadium started becoming a garbage dump. Mm-hmm. I noticed it that, and it was like known that the team would move. And it was only it was already it was four years before they actually moved. And people would say, "Oh yeah, the event eventually Expos are gonna leave." And so I'm like, in my head, I was like, it was already it wasn't it wasn't an it was a it was just a, it was a grain in my in my head. Like I already knew it was gonna happen. And then when it finally happened, I was like, it's sad, but I knew it was going to happen. It's kind of like you're expecting somebody, like when you have like a like a, an older sick relative, you know, you're, it's kind of like you're just waiting for it to happen kind of thing. And then it ended up happening, which is sad because Montreal is a huge baseball fan. We still do to this day. And, and the thing is, is that like Montreal now isn't what it used to be. It, it's, no. Montreal summers are the be- best thing in the world. There's so many festivals. It's the best. There's no city better in the summer in North America than Montreal. The it's, amount of festivals we have. Party. We have a four-month party that yeah. starts in May and ends in September. It's awesome. It's <laughs> Like, if, if if the Expos would have had a stadium, like, like they're planning to, you know, if they move the team back, it's going to be in Griffintown. Um, it's going to be more more downtown amidst the party. It's going to be part of that party scene. Yeah. Um, and, and it just sucks that that uh, Loria and Samson didn't have uh, that vision. Perhaps that vision would have helped, been helped by actually living in the city and not yeah. commuting from New York City. Um, the, the, you know, Terry, he actually did address trying to move the team to New Jersey uh, early on, which, which is interesting. Yeah, because that's what that area needs. The tri-state area needs another baseball team. Yeah, the, the Mets and the Yankees <laughs> are never going to let that happen. No. We talked no. about a ridiculous RICO lawsuit that was filed by the other owners saying that it was uh, them and the mob uh, try that that move the team because they wanted to just disassociate from any guilt. But they did they did take Marlins uh, World Series rings and uh, all sorts of money that did come with the, the sale of that team. Um, the other part of it is he didn't mention, however, that they were sued by the Minnesota Twins because that move is like for Major League Baseball to buy a team from you and then move that team to Washington uh, is not the best business practice. And that was uh, a lawsuit that Major League Baseball did lose. to the this, is, this is also another reason why I'm an anti-Blue Jays guy, because they voted for Montreal to not have a team, right? There was a vote that was passed. And do you vote at the relocation of Montreal? And Toronto voted yes, because they wanted all Canadian dollar to come to them. And it was a smart business move. But at the end of the day, it screwed over a good franchise and a good fan base. Like this was this was after the TV bunny was already all going to the Blue Jays. Exactly, yeah. So they really just they monopolized it, and then they just said they kicked they kicked away the small guy because the Expos the only TV money they were getting was really from RDS, and RDS is is only Quebec and basically only Montreal because people in Quebec City aren't really baseball fans. I don't think we're getting a lot of outsiders from Quebec coming to Montreal to go to the Olympic Stadium in the East End of Montreal where there's basically summer. only soccer that's being played. Yeah, you know, and it's. It's unfortunate because, but if they do come back, and I hope they do, um, I will uh, buy be a season ticket holder for yeah, sure. We're getting hot sauce season tickets, hundred percent, hundred percent. The uh, there was something else that broke, um, and I wanted to talk about the funny part of it, uh, but then of course it turned sort of bad yesterday. And this is uh, Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports. There's a funny story involving him, so I do want to address that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a negative story that, that broke a couple of days later, and we'll address that as well. Uh, firstly, uh, he bet he bid $250,000 on an experience where right. he would watch a game uh, <laughs> with 
Roger Goodell. It was it's for charity, um, which I thought was brilliant. He won the bid. There's a famous feud between Barstool Sports and the NFL. Yeah. Uh, the NFL had members of Barstool Sports arrested during uh, during the Super Bowl. So uh, that that's kind of, that was that's kind of entertaining. The NFL then said, you know what? We don't need your money to charity. We're going to donate that money and cancel the experience. And, and, and it's just like the whole thing of like, you're the big powerful, powerful NFL and you're scared of Barstool Sports? That's such a, such a terrible look. It's because Pornoy is like, he's, he's, he's at a different speed than everybody else, right? He just goes at 100 miles an hour and everybody else, if you're in his way, he's running over you. And Roger Goodell has gone in his way way too many times. He got in his way with the whole deflate gate where, where, where Portnoy and a couple of his, uh, his employees, they showed up at the NFL, the NFL commissioner's office demanding to speak to uh, Goodell. They handcuffed, them, handcuffed themselves in, in, the, in the lobby. They ended up getting arrested. Then he, gets to, he sneaks into the Super Bowl, gets kicked out. They, the Barstool employees snuck into a media day last year, were followed. They got kicked out because they were recognized. Uh, so that is, he, it's amazing. The ultimate troll move, he bids the most money. Yeah. He probably made more money on that, more money selling the T-shirts with Roger Goodell and the clown nose. Mm-hmm. The shirt that they have, he probably made more money just selling those teachers than he did on the actual bid. So for him, he's like, I'm going to donate this money to charity. It was supposed to go to like autism or an autism foundation or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what. So that's why he comes out and he's like, yeah, Roger Goodell hates kids. <laughs> things like, that. like he does it. He just does whatever he wants. But this is, that's the thing. It's just, it seems so weird to me that the NFL yeah. is so short-sighted that they don't see. Like there's got to be someone telling Goodell, look, you're only making him more popular but also, uh, if you if you acknowledge his existence, you give him more of a voice. I find. Yeah. So I think Goodell is doing the right thing, just kind of trying to ignore him. But po- he's like, he's never gonna stop. You know? But but they kicked him out. They kicked him out of a game, uh, the Super Bowl, where he was. He bought a ticket as a fan. Oh, I thought he snuck in. I thought no, he no, snuck no. in. No, no, that was uh, uh, what's his name, uh, PFT commenter, and, and someone else had snuck. Uh, oh, that's not good. To- Immediately, yeah. But he actually bought a ticket to the game and was removed from the game because it started getting out on Twitter that he was there. Yeah. You know, like, it just, it just, like, like you don't need to stoop that low. You're the NFL. You don't need to do that. You know I think, I, mean? I think that he wasn't allowed to be in the building, but he bought a ticket. So yeah. it was a, it was a legal, like, he was able, he bought the ticket. The ticket was valid, but because they didn't want him there, they said, Dave Pornoy is not allowed to be in the building and they found him in the kitchen. <laughs> But all, again, all it does is give him and, and Barstool more attention. Exactly, yeah. We're talking about it, so you know what I mean? Yep. The other side of this is, um, and while I don't completely disagree, sorry, my phone's in somewhere. Jesus. Nice package. It's been a disaster. Nice uh, package. The, uh, while, thanks, by the way, Terry. I do appreciate that. Um, <laughs> the, while I do agree with parts of what Dave Fortin was saying yesterday, um, I do think it was ill-timed and sort of uh, some bad optics. He was saying uh, that he didn't understand why, uh, you know, the whole thing behind Blackout Tuesday and why it was a black in everyone's feed uh, and so on and so forth. I will say most people misused Blackout Tuesday. You're not supposed to shut off social media and just post a, a black picture. You're supposed to be using Blackout Tuesday to not 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 pursue your own brand, but to help elevate the brand of minorities that are, that are affected. Um, And we did that. Like you said, Terry, we posted some of the voices of of people that was more important than our own. Yeah. Uh, And we're going to continue to be doing so in the next couple of days. Uh, But he was saying that posting black square doesn't necessarily, doesn't help anyone. And then he started going on and on about how Barstool should continue just making regular content, which is the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing on Blackout Tuesday. So not a particularly good look for Portnoy. Oh, I mean, the thing is, is that Portnoy speaks right off the dome. Like he doesn't really, it's not that he doesn't think, he's a very well thought out person, but his messages sometimes they come true. And I'm not, I can't defend him for kind of bashing it, but I do understand where he's coming from. It's like, what's this message doing for us? He's a very uh, to the point kind of guy, black and white kind of guy. So it's like, what's this message getting us? And, you know, sometimes he also talks a lot. And when you talk a lot, he's on like four different shows. He he's always on Twitter. Like he talks a lot. So when you talk so much, chances are your words are going to get construed at some point. You know what I mean? And uh, you might even contradict yourself. I know I've done it 
I have contradicted myself a couple times just going doing three shows a week or whatever it is and talking about something I'm like wait did I say something different on the last episode like so you just might not think what you're saying is is valid but uh to him I mean to his credit is he also comes out and he's also a, a voice of a lot of people yeah absolutely um, Imagine if you were the Balser, a bar stool sports social media manager, like having to deal. Like he's like, okay, tweet about this. Oh, no, 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 tweet about that. Okay, no, tweet about this. No, I didn't say that. Okay, say this. Say no, no, tweet about this. Okay, fuck Roger Goodell. <laughs> I, I, I will say my initial reaction, not seeing we had a black square, was, oh, I'm gonna fire our goddamn social media intern. Yeah. Um, so Alex, crazy. First of all, and I quit. Sorry, the guy I quit. quit. <laughs> I quit and go crazy. <laughs> Well, I almost fired you yesterday for not posting a black square. And then I did the research and I was like, no, we're doing the right thing. We're doing the right. So, um, yeah. second, you were. Wait, all- what did we post? Uh, to almost nothing. What did we do? We posted we turn- some uh, stories. We turned our logo to black. Oh, okay. That. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering because I didn't see a black square on our thing. That's all so. we did? Oh, man. You're like this close to getting fired, man. We put our logo black and, uh, black and white. And. Um, we posted all the stories of all the contributors that we've had in the last uh, in the oh, since we started. All right, fine. Uh, that's that a little bit better. A voice. You're yeah. on probation. You're not fired. But we posted no. voices. We didn't post just <laughs> empty pictures. Yeah. Which, again, that's that's what the day is supposed to be about, anyway. Um, Alex, this is your time to shine. Uh, we've done the, the the bulk of the stories, and now it's time for rapid fire. Ego, make some gun sounds. Intern, Alex. No, do it. Come on. No, I'm not making gun sounds. That's, that's really bad. Out of all the sounds we're going to make, it should not be gun sounds. It's true. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, just general fire sound. There we go. <laughs> so, but I wanted to say, before we get to rapid fire, uh, to, to your point, I just realized it, is that Alex, our intern, intern Alex, is Armenian. Okay, his background is Armenian. Armenia has been known, like, even though if you look across, look at our screen right now, there's four squares, right? We have all of us are white, right? Yeah. So, I have a Greek. I have a Greek background. Alex is Armenian background. We've both been targeted by the same country to wipe us out completely. You know what I mean? So there's there's that there's that battle that it happened in the past and it's gonna get better. But something needs to happen in order for it to change. And I think that when you talk you talked about living li- your grandparents living in Italy and living under a dict- like a basically a dictatorship of Mussolini. Th- Something needs to ch- something big needs to happen in order for it to change, and I think we're finally seeing it. Yeah, and that's it, all I want to say. It's it's good to see that people are finally recognizing. Uh, but now we transition to rapid fire. There's no way I could have done that. Thank you, Terry, for giving me the impossible job of transitioning from racism into. I finally did it. <laughs> uh, in this segment, uh, Alex will read to us uh, some stories uh, of the week, uh, and this is where we finally get a chance to fill our lives with a little bit of laughter uh, as we try to distract and uh, bring a little bit of joy to your lives. Alex, you got to read the title and then read the story. It's in the script. <laughs> story number you one. You do something. Amid the protests and rioting in Seattle, Washington, a so mass- this is called Treat Yourself. Oh, yeah, that's how it's called. Treat yourself. <laughs> yeah, you have to say the title. So, <laughs> so you're making yourself. a very common mistake here, but it's it, Duke's made this mistake. I love 65 actually, episodes. Actually, you know so what? I think he's doing better than Duke, honestly. Yeah, right. You've automatically done better than Duke. We know you. Is Duke contagious? Duke is contagious. He He's very contagious to me. Absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. Treat yourself. Now with two college students who had a harrowing experience during protests. Oh, hold on a second. What's that video? Oh yeah, I was I was clicking on the link you sent. Oh, that's, that's for your own reference, so you know what you're talking about. Um, um, a masked woman calmly stole a cheesecake, and it was captured in a magical clip. You guys saw this? Yeah, I saw this. This is awesome. My, I didn't know she okay. stole it first. I thought she was just carrying an uncovered cheesecake through a riot. Yeah. Like I was like, yo, like I gotta give it to her. that chick. Want some cake? Like I'm not. I don't support booting. But if you're gonna cheat, if you're gonna steal something, why not get a cheesecake? I mean, it okay. was gonna go bad anyways, right? So yeah, I mean, you're you just, basically you're just doing a service. Yeah. Yo, who can say no to cheesecakes? Nobody. <laughs> Next. Next. Feel it in your bones. <laughs> so an unlucky Vendo had a terrifying run-in when he was stopped with a can of spray paint in his hands. Oh, yeah. You guys saw this? 
Yeah, I saw that. Well, why don't you give it back on Terry? So, so at Albuquerque, uh, there was Antifa was all over Albuquerque. And Albuquerque is, uh, I think you have a, I think it's like Arizona where you have a right to, a right to carry a concealed weapon. So uh, mm-hmm. these guys were, these guys were, um, were spray painting everywhere. And John Jones shows up. Everybody knows who John Jones is. Probably the best fighter in the world. The one guy that nobody in the world would ever want to fuck with. All of 6'4", all of 220 pounds, jacked with a gun because it's a right, right to carry and conceal. And he shows up and he's like, give me the spray paint. Give me the spray paint. And those guys literally shat their pants, as they should, and they gave him the spray paint. And that's how you end vandalism. Just ask John Jones to show up. Well, so that's the thing. So I, I saw that. I saw that, Terry, and I was like, just imagine being that dude. Just imagine you're like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna tag up this minivan and instead <laughs> we're hitting your pants uh, because John Bon Jones approaches you. Maybe that's what we need in Montreal. We yeah. need George St. Pierre to be patrolling the city. But no, George St. Pierre is too nice. It's He's true. way too He's fucking nice. John Jones is a He's prick. Jack Finn. He's also too nice. God damn Ariel Awani, too nice. God damn it. Ariel Awani, I don't know if he's he can't fight his way out of a wet paper bag. Oof. But he's That's, a good guy. We'd like to get him on the show though. So eventually, eventually. <laughs> Next. Story number three. Eagle. Eagle. I did it. I did it. You missed it. You chose. Yeah, we heard I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. Do it again. Do it again, Eagle. There you go, Alex. That's your cue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, story number three. Baskin's whining flavor. Winning. After spending after this spending contagious. nearly $2.5 million to an assets totaling $1 million, Carol Baskins now owns the Whiny Woods Woodwood? Oklahoma private zoo that once belonged to Joe Exotic. No fucking way. Yeah, she okay, was first of all. Um, after it was it was extended in court by about three years. Uh, but in that time, uh, who was that creep that, that was that Jeff Joe, Lowe? Sorry, Jeff Lowe. Yeah, Jeff Lowe uh, opened another zoo in Oklahoma, moving all of the most important assets to that zoo. Uh, my God, all of these people are the greasiest things I've ever seen. Alex, what are you saying? Okay, so my initial reaction is Carol fucking Baskins. Okay. <laughs> Is there and then more? I'm sorry, I had to say it. I ha- I just had to say it, man. Carol God damn, Carol <laughs> This just goes to prove that she did, in fact, kill her husband. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, this, this is the proof. Been proof <laughs> winning a zoo in a lawsuit. <laughs> Next, Eagle. Eagle. I did it. I play Pokemon. You fuck, I man. I did it. I fucking here. Ready? There we go. Eagle. All right. Rapid fire number four. <laughs> One direction. J.R. Smith may have run toward the wrong basket in the NBA finals, but he knew exactly where his car was when he saw someone breaking in. Boys, thoughts? So, <laughs> so the thing about J.R. Smith is that he actually heard helicopters uh, over his house. He's, and he went outside and he saw there was a protest. So he joined the protest. He bought, He got water for everybody. He brought food. He took pictures. You know, he did the whole thing. He joined the protest. And as he's going home, he, the protest started getting closer to his house. And some guys tried to freaking break into his car. So yeah. he beat the yeah. shit out of the guy. And like, so um, people don't realize how big basketball players are because yeah. they look slender because of just how ridiculously tall they are. Yeah. But, like Steve Nash is, looks tiny, but he's 6'3". You know? Yeah. And, and he's <laughs> like, basketball players are jacked because... Um, that's the only like the only sport where you need to consume twelve thousand calories a day just just to stay alive, basically. Yeah. It, May thirty first is now officially Jar Smith Day. For I two mean, reasons. Yeah. For this. For this and his and his fuck up during the, the finals. The finals. I, I would I would argue with the opposite, Alex. I would say that given how trash J.R. Smith was uh, and how shirtless he was during the parade, every day is J.R. Smith Day. That's a good point. I agree. We heard this. Well done. Next. And the last one the after hours. While people looted all words of valuables these gents made of with the mannequin, mannequin. Boys, what was going on here? So. So, I, so I, I actually told you, I told you to post this one. I couldn't find the video, but there's a video of a guy walking into a store. I don't know what kind of store it was, but anyway, he, he's stealing the mannequin. But the funniest part about the video is not the guy stealing the mannequin. 
is that the guy recording is like, are you stealing a mannequin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You oh. know what? It, it's funny, though. The mannequin's probably the most expensive part of the story yeah. to steal. Like, fuck the clothes and shoes and shit. Take the mannequin, man. That's but there's been, there's been so many uh, funny videos with these looters. One of them, it was a van store. They're breaking in, and there's one window everybody's coming out of, and there's two cops walking towards it. Just like, we're not going to get involved. Just want to make sure nobody gets hurt kind of thing. And then one guy runs out with like six bo- six boxes of shoes. He turns right. He sees the cops. He drops them all, takes off the other way. There's another girl. She stops her car in the middle of the road to run in and get some Nikes. One guy in Montreal, he stole – I don't know if it was Montreal or not, actually. It's a good question. But he stole a, a cop uh, – uh, like a horse, like a police officer horse. Oh, no. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And he started no. recording himself on the horse. Yeah. The um the, the dude stealing the mannequin. Is there any mannequin. Uh, other mannequin. the mannequin? Is there any other uh, sign of our times uh, in a protest after uh, self isolation of a dude stealing a mannequin? Clearly because he misses sex. All right, there you go. That's, that's your punchline. <laughs> thank you, Eagle. Uh, thank you, Intern Alex, uh, for showing up. Uh, that was terrible reading, but I loved it. Uh, Eagle, you, but no, were- you channeled your inner Duke. Yeah, you were the most Duke of all time. Yeah. Um, we've learned something today in that there's a little Duke in all of us. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Terry, for everything you've done. Um, thank you all. And remember, you... You've been, been listening to Hot Sauce Sports. I did it. Nice! <laughs> Hot Sauce Sports, that's us. Remember to watch, uh, like, and subscribe. It's a thing I always forget to say. Feels like the producer should remind me. Like, subscribe, follow. Oh.